Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. We are going to be in Galatians 5 in just a minute. Uh, so that's, that's not the easiest one in the book to find. Uh, but we're in the New Testament. And uh, if you open up those Bibles, they have an amazing table of contents. And you can find that. The book of Galatians in the New Testament. 974, Andrew. 974, you can find that. It is wonderful to see you this morning. And to be in, in worship together. And I'm excited for what God has to say to us. God has something to speak to us through his, through his word. And I'm glad that Andrew finally remembered to, to invite those kids off to Kids Adventure. Because I know for some of the moms in here, that's the greatest Mother's Day gift you're going to get today. Is that your kids got to disappear for about 45 minutes here. Uh, so that's a, that's a good thing. I don't know if you've noticed something. I've noticed something over the last few weeks. And I don't know if you've seen this either, but I've noticed that when I leave my house, it doesn't matter where I'm going anymore. Um, I, I still like to follow that purple line. I can know exactly where I'm going, but I still like to put it in my phone and follow that line just so I know exactly how much time it's going to take me, even if I know where I'm headed. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but it's happening to me lately. Those times are increasing quite a bit. Uh, compared to where they were over the last couple of years. I don't know what happened. Someone told me that everyone from now on was going to stay in their houses and no one was going to go to work anymore and no one was going to leave and that we'd be able to do what we did over the last couple of years and just drive everywhere and have no trouble. But I got to tell you, the other morning I got on uh, I-95. We live in the Burlington area. I got on I-95 and I had to go from Burlington to Waltham and it took me 40 minutes that's about eight miles. It took me 40 minutes one morning. And I was sitting there in my car behind the wheel. And, and I was looking at the sea of red lights in front of me. And I thought to myself, the, the new normal feels just like the old normal, right? I, th I thought we was going to feel different, that we were going to make some progress. And I don't know about you. One of the things that is really challenging for me when I sit in traffic is I don't feel like I'm, I'm making progress. I don't feel like I'm moving forward. And that's part of why I have the GPS on, because at least I can look down at that little screen and say, okay, I'm making some progress. I'm moving forward a little bit. The time is coming down. But when I'm sitting in my car, looking at all of those cars stopped in front of me, it can really feel like I'm not moving forward. And we like to feel like we're moving forward in life, don't we? I mean, every, 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 time, every day since you were born, there have been markers and measures to try to help you understand if you're progressing. You have a baby and you bring it to the doctor and they weigh it and they measure it and they measure the circumference of its head. And they say to you, oh, you're in the 50th percentile. You're in the 40th percentile. You're in the 90th percentile. And ever since that child is, every day since the day that child is born, it is measured to find out where it falls. And you've been like that in your life. You, you have this happen. You went through school and all throughout school, your teachers would measure you to see how you were progressing. And now you go to work and at work, there's all these measurements to see how you're moving forward and how you're progressing. And if things are moving forward and there's quarterly goals and there's a dashboard and there's a scorecard and there's a survey from HR and all of these things that are coming out to try to figure out, are we making progress? Are we moving forward? Are we better today than we were yesterday? We have all these different measurements in life, whether that's at work or school or our health. 
we come into a relationship with God and we can wonder, how do you know if you're progressing with God? How do you know if you're actually moving forward in this life that we're supposed to be living? How do you know if, if anything's actually changing? We started this new sermon series a couple of weeks ago, and we're calling it I Follow Jesus. And we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we understand God to be three persons in one, meaning that you have God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit, who is present among us. All the same God, but experienced and seen throughout Scripture and in our lives in three persons. And we're asking the question, well, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life? What does that look like? And we started out a couple of weeks ago and we said, I follow Jesus, but why did he have to leave? Why couldn't he just stay here forever? And we looked at these verses, Andrew looked at these verses, where Jesus talks about that it was actually better for him to leave, he said, because he would be sending the Holy Spirit to live inside of you and inside of me to help us and to guide us and to lead us. And then last week, we started this conversation where Justin came and looked at Romans 8 with us. And we said, I follow Jesus, but, but why do I still sin? Why do I still struggle? And there's this conversation that Paul talks about, the Apostle Paul in this letter to the church in Rome, where he says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And this ongoing battle that exists inside of all of us between the Holy Spirit and our flesh, where God says to do certain things and not do other things, and yet we find ourselves doing those things. Why does that still happen? And why doesn't God just come and remove all of that? And today, in the midst of all of those, that tension, we're going to be asking this question. I follow Jesus, but how do I know if I'm making any progress? How do you know if you're making any progress in following Jesus? Paul, the Apostle Paul, who I just mentioned in writing a letter to the church in Rome, he wrote a number of letters that are in the New Testament. In fact, uh, over half the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. And there was one church that he writes to, and it was a church in a city called Galatia. And Paul writes to them because the entire church is having an argument over how they're to tell whether or not they're actually progressing in their relationship with Jesus. You see, in the early church, when the church first started, you had two groups coming together. You had Jewish people who for centuries had followed the Jewish law and understood that their relationship with God came through the law. And then you had Gentiles or non-Jewish people. Both were beginning to follow Jesus, both coming from very different places in life both coming from very different understandings of how people relate to God. And they come together in the early church, people that have lived under this law and then people that have not. And they're trying to figure out how do we move forward together? And in the church of Galatia, there was a big argument going on where the 
Jewish people who had come to follow Jesus were saying to these Gentiles who had come to follow Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus correctly, you have to abide by all of these laws that have been in place for centuries. And the Gentiles are coming in and they want to follow Jesus and they're saying, um, we're not sure that we do. And so the battle is raging where one side is saying, you cannot make progress in Jesus unless you follow all these laws. And the other side saying, well, we're not quite sure uh, whether or not that's true. And some of the Gentiles were beginning to follow all of these laws. And so Paul writes a letter to speak into all of this. And in his letter, there's this passage of verses that if you've been around church for a while might be familiar to you. But we're going to talk about today because Paul begins to answer this questions for the question for the early church and for us. How do you know if you're moving forward? How do you know if you're actually progressing? This is what Paul says. It's in Galatians chapter five, verse 16. But I say, Paul writes, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It's a fairly short passage of scripture, and yet there's a lot that's going on there. A lot that Paul brings up in a short amount of time. But one of the things that I think Paul is saying to the early church, and I think he's saying to you and me today, is that the way we typically measure whether or not we're progressing in Jesus Christ is not the right measurement. The way that we typically measure whether or not we're progressing in Jesus Christ is really not the best measurement. Usually, when we want to know if someone's growing in Christ, we check their behavior. And we ask ourselves, are they behaving better? Are they doing the things they should do? And are they not doing the things they shouldn't do? What is it, what is it that, they're, that they're doing compared to what God says to do? And what is the things that they're not doing compared to what God says to do? 
And Paul comes in and says something along the lines of, if you really want to know if someone, whether or not someone is progressing in Christ, the best measuring stick is not their behavior modification. And I think that probably sounds odd to many of us that have grown up in church where we were told what to do and what not to do and that we better do it or that God wouldn't be pleased with us. And we're kind of used to doing this. We're kind of used to finding all of these different ways to understand God's law and measure people up against whether or not they're following it or not following it. But there's this battle that goes on inside of us, Paul says. There's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we talked about this last week in Romans 8. And Paul brings it up again here. That the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and our flesh are diametrically opposed to one another. They are opposites of one another. So that what my flesh wants to do is the opposite of what God's spirit wants me to do. And what the spirit wants me to do is the opposite of what my flesh wants to do. And this, this push and pull that we feel between the two, that tension that we feel between our spirit and our flesh, is a constant struggle for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. And you know, for some, it's the reason why they walk away from this whole thing. Because they tried to be better and they tried to do better. And it didn't work. Because no matter how hard they tried, their flesh, the flesh wanted something different. And the frustration that can cause, the hypocrisy that it can cause, it's a real challenge for the church. In the church, we tend to celebrate those who are able to modify their behavior. I mean, if, if someone is able to really change what they do and someone is able to live in such a way where now they no longer do the things that they used to do and they do better things now, we really tend to celebrate that. That feels like a real win to us. Someone used to do something bad. Now they do something good. They should give a testimony. And it feels like a real win. The challenge is, is that if we change the outside behavior without addressing the tension between the spirit and the flesh, we haven't really won anything. My brother-in-law and I, Mike, uh, we coach a team together. We coach uh, U8, so that's eight and under, boys flag football. Mike is the head coach. I don't know where he was in here earlier. I've already bored him and he's left. Mike is the head coach. I am the defensive coordinator. And today at two o'clock at Kennedy Middle School in Woburn, uh, we will be out there and Mike will be running the offense and the team, and I'll be running the defense. Uh, and here's the, here's the thing that, that happens when Mike and I are, are in charge of something like this. We tend to be pretty competitive people. Um, I don't know if you know that about myself, but I can be a pretty competitive person. And last year, we were in 6U flag football, six and under. 
And I'm not going to lie to you, but just between you and me, we absolutely dominated the league, okay? (laughs) We did well. And so they bumped us up. In fact, some of our players had to sign waivers this year because some of our players got older and they're in that age bracket. And then some of our players had to sign waivers just so they could play up. And we got into our first preseason game a couple of Sundays ago and we were playing the New Orleans Saints, not the real New Orleans Saints, but the flag football New Orleans Saints. And they walked out and their players were much bigger than our players. I mean, most of them are second graders. Most of our players are in first grade and they were much bigger than us. And it was just a preseason game, so we said, we'll see what happens. And I'll tell you what happened. We won, right? (laughs) And we were feeling pretty good about ourselves. So we went into our first regular season game uh, last year, or or a couple weeks ago. And we started playing a team, and on the first play of the game, they ran about 50 yards for a touchdown. And I thought to myself, oh no, this is going to be a long year. But we got into the game. I've already messed this story up. Forgive me. In that game, they did not score a touchdown. We got into our first game, and by halftime, we were up 18 to nothing. By halftime, we were leading 18 to nothing. So the first week before, we had won our preseason game, and now here we are at halftime. We're up 18 to nothing. I'll tell you what happened in Mike and my head. We thought to ourselves, we dominated the league last year. We are going to dominate the league this year. And in the second half, we started running all sorts of trick plays. I started trying out all sorts of different things on defense. And do you know what happened by the end of that game? We tied 18 to 18. And Mike and I were so frustrated with ourselves. We spent the rest of that Sunday afternoon strategizing for seven-year-old flag football and talking about how we would never let this happen again. Felt like a win to us. But the game wasn't over. And we made the mistake of acting like it was a win. And I got to tell you, so many times in my Christian life, I have celebrated too early I thought that under my own willpower and under my own strength, I had changed my behavior to the point that I would never go back. I came to the altar and I made a promise. I signed the card. I did the pledge. And I knew I was going to be different. And over and over in my Christian life, that flesh has snuck up on me. And I realized I celebrated too early. And normally in the Christian walk, we, we try to celebrate the win as behavior modification. And Paul comes in in this text and he says, a win is not behavior modification. A win is something else. And so what is Paul saying then that our measuring stick should be? I want to be clear to say that Paul is not saying here in this text that we can then just go and do whatever we want. In fact, he makes that clear in this text. He's saying, I'm not saying that that since we don't have to abide by the law anymore, you can go and do whatever you want. He said, the works of the flesh are obvious, he says in this text. They're easy to see. And then he gives us that list of of sexual sin and of relationship sin and of idolatry and some of the other things that are there in that list. And Paul says, those things are obvious. And don't get me wrong. People who do these things are not on the path to inherit the kingdom of God. But he says, if you really want to change 
behavior, if you really want to progress, there's a different measuring stick to look at. Paul says to you and to me and to that early church, don't measure behavior modification. Measure transformation. It's a very different thing. Don't measure just behavior modification. Can we, through pressure and and rules and everything else, get people to behave a certain way? But Paul says you need to be measuring transformation. In fact, at the very beginning of of these verses, Paul says to the church, he he says, I say, walk by the Spirit. It's really interesting that Paul doesn't say, I say, try harder. Nowhere does Paul say, I say, try harder to the church in Galatia. He says, walk by the Spirit. And it doesn't come across so well in our English text. But in the Greek text, it's clear. When Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit, it's an imperative. Meaning that if Paul was doing that today, if he was texting that to us today, he would say, I say, walk by the Spirit. It would be in all caps. It would have multiple exclamation points and some sort of shouting emoji at the end. That's what it would look like today. That's how it comes across in the Greek. Earlier this week, uh, many of you know that, that we, te- we preach and teach in a team, and we work together as a team to try to come up with what God wants us to say each week. So Pastor Rick, who many of you know, is preaching in Burlington today. And we have a, a shared document in Dropbox that we use to put ideas and to, and to share things. He texted me the other day, and his text simply said this, put a sermon outline in the folder. And I got that text and I thought, oh my goodness, Pastor Rick is upset with me. (laughs) I probably should have a sermon outline in the folder at this point. uh, And I don't. And so I, I, I started scrambling and I thought to myself, I need to go ahead and get this into the folder uh, before, before Pastor Rick really starts to lose it. And then I looked at my text again And Pastor Rick had texted me again and he said, I'm sorry, I didn't realize how that came across. I meant to text, I have put a sermon outline in the folder. And that changed everything. But it's important to realize, Paul is not saying, if you look at verse 16, he says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's not saying the second of the two in my example with Pastor Rick. He's not saying, but I say, give this a shot. This is what works for me. He's giving the church an imperative. I'm telling you, if you want to stop doing the things that you shouldn't be doing and start doing the things that you should do, the goal is not to create the pressure in the environment and the rules that force people to live a certain way. The goal is to walk by the Spirit. And when you walk by the Spirit, you will no longer gratify the desires of the flesh. But as long as you try to do it under your own strength and in your own power, You always fall back. And Paul says, how do you measure? 
If you're walking with the Spirit, you have those fruit of the Spirit. And he gives those nine things. And what Paul is saying is that if you really want to progress in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about looking just at behavior modification. It's about looking at transformation as you walk with the Holy Spirit and as you live in step with the Holy Spirit. How is God changing who you are? We often look at what we do, but Paul says, don't don't look at what you do first. Look at who you're becoming. And then look at, at how who you're becoming affects what you do. See, some of you are sitting here this morning and you're struggling. And you're saying to yourself, I wish I was better here and I wish I didn't do this. And if you only knew, Pastor, the things that that I do when no one is watching and no one is looking and the sin that I've struggled with in my life and the addiction that I've struggled with in my life for years and years and years. First of all, I want you to remember the verse that says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That like Justin said last week, as we were looking at Romans eight, the the real question is, are you in the fight? Not are you struggling, not have you fallen, but are you in the fight along with the Holy Spirit to have your life changed and restored and renewed? Are you working towards the person that God's called you to be? That's the question. And if today is better than yesterday, all hope is not lost, right? But how do you know if you're progressing? I would ask you these questions. Are you growing in love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Are you growing in the fruit of the Spirit? It's like when holidays like Mother's Day come up. There's a big difference between saying to your, having to say to yourself, it's Mother's Day. I better go get her something. Better get a card. That's what you're supposed to do. Better get flowers. That's what you're supposed to do. You did it. You did the behavior. But how different is it when out of relationship and love... You go and get something to celebrate and say thank you. How different is it in our relationship with God when rather than, than being forced to do something, we live in relationship with him and so we are moved and changed to go and do the things that he calls us to do. And so then I'm, following, let's say, the Ten Commandments, not because God just says it, but because as the Holy Spirit changes me and I'm full of love and joy and peace, well, if I'm full of those things, then I'm naturally going to honor my parents. If I'm full of those things, then I'm actually naturally going to honor my relationships. If I'm full of those things, then I'm not going to lie. If I'm full of those things, then I'm not going to harm others. All those commandments, if we're full of what the Spirit puts inside of us. Then we go and do what God calls us to do.
If you think that living the Christian life or if you're trying to live the Christian life where if you just change all your outside behavior, you'll be where God wants you to be. That's a little bit like me saying that I've built a fruit tree here this morning. I've put fruit on a tree. This is no fruit tree. I would have to change this. First of all, it would have to be living. But the roots, the makeup of the tree, would have to be something different so that it would produce the fruit it's designed to produce. And I don't know where you're struggling today. I don't know where you're, where you're trying to do better and be better. But I think it's really important that we as a church get this right. Because will we allow people to come into the community? A long way off from where they're supposed to be? Where God would want them to be? Where they would even want to be? And trust that the Holy Spirit will transform their heart and their mind over time so that their behavior will come in line with who God has created them to be. Isn't that what happened to you and to me and it's still happening to you and to me? When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he doesn't just change what you do. He changes who you are. And so what does it look like to walk in the Spirit? I'd like to invite our worship team to come back as we prepare to close this morning. What does it look like to walk by the spirit? If that's what Paul's big imperative is, if that's his command, if that's what he says to do is to walk by the spirit, what does that look like in your life and my life to be able to do that? Andrew said something a couple of weeks ago when he was preaching that I think is really true. That the Holy Spirit is not, is not a thing that you, that you get more of. It's not a commodity that you come and try to, try to earn more of and buy more of and have more of. The Holy Spirit is living and active in your life and living and active in the world around us. And the Holy Spirit is a person with whom you develop a deeper relationship. So if you want to walk by the Spirit in your life, you need to develop a relationship with the spirit. And how do you do that? The same way you develop any other relationship. Through time and intentionality and conversation. When you feel yourself tempted, when you feel yourself struggling, when you feel yourself in need. Rather than promising yourself that you're going to do better and be better, why not open up your hands and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, empower me. Holy Spirit, change me. Give me the strength that I don't have on my own. I hope you don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you don't ever have to do anything in your life that helps you live a better life. I'm not saying that, that any of these things you've put in your life to help you do better and be better is, is, is off the table now. 
I don't want you to go home and say, well, the pastor said, you know, it's just God will change me. So I'm throwing out all the fruits and vegetables and, and I'm just going to eat and God will take care of that, right? I'm, never going to, I'm not going to any more meetings. Forget the planner. Forget all the internet software that, that guards my eyes. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that the only way to overcome the flesh in our lives is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you and me. When's the last time you reached out to him to ask for his help so that he wouldn't just change what you do, but who you are? Would you bow your head and pray with me? God, we thank you this morning that you have not left us on our own, but you have given us your spirit. Father, help us to walk with your spirit, to keep in step with you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that today you would so fill me and give me the strength to do what I cannot do on my own, to live the life God calls me to live. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill our church, that your work and your transforming power would be evident here, that our lives would be so changed by your work within us. We want deeper relationship with you, Spirit. We want to experience more of you. We want your fruit to be evident in our lives. Help us to that end, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and would you worship with us? And maybe while we worship, you would... Extend your arms and pray to the Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to move in your heart and in your life today.